Good morning and welcome to the Dungeon Musings Anchor Podcast. My name is Kevin Madison and I will be your friendly Dungeon Muser today. Uh, so today I is, this is episode three of the uh, Dungeon Musings Podcast. And um, I figured I would try and keep things a little tighter uh, today and keep things a little more on purpose and... Um, try and keep myself from uh, wandering too, too much. This particular way of recording content does allow me to indulge my kind of flights of fancy and uh, to indulge in a lot of digressions. And I feel like I did that quite a bit last uh, episode. So I'm going to try and keep things more on point by um, keeping me or rather restricting me to just the ride into the office. So here we go. So this morning I... um, I've been thinking about a question that I got on the YouTube channel um, about four months ago, maybe three months ago, about uh, introducing new people to role-playing games and, and what, uh, you know, what how you might do that. And specifically what the question was in relation to is someone who might be resistant to trying role-playing games. And I guess, like, the, um, the thing I've been thinking is the game that I typically use to introduce people who are unfamiliar with role-playing games, uh, the way I introduce them to kind of the hobby is, or has been the last couple of years, either Call of Cthulhu or the Delta Green role-playing game. Um, And the reason being is because everyone gets horror. Like, everyone kind of gets what, you know, you're supposed to do in an investigation. That's that's sort of been my my go-to answer for it. But I've been thinking more about it, and I think part of it is as well, is there are in addition to giving more positive buy-in for the players, players know how to, uh, you know, how to play in a horror role-playing game. And I guess I should say, for, for those who are unfamiliar, Call of Cthulhu is, you know, the oldest uh, horror role-playing game around. It's something set in the um, bleak, uh, cosmic horror uh, mythos of H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's work. And uh, Delta Green is as well, but Delta Green has a little bit more of a action uh, orient, uh, orientation to it. Uh, in Call of Cthulhu, you can can play like full proper investigators and whatnot, but uh, like uh, police investigators or FBI agents or whatever, or RCMP, I guess, if you're in, in Canada. Um, but uh, what Delta Green does instead is actually provide a formal structure. There's an actual organization uh, that your characters are part of, and, and uh, in addition to whatever their, whatever branch of um, either the military or the U.S. Uh, um, intelligence apparatus or the law enforcement apparatus, and uh, it gives the structure, the campaign, a little more of an X Files kind of vibe to it. So, the positive buy-in from those approaches is that you've, you know, you kind of the player knows exactly what they're kind of supposed to do, and then they just need to engage with the weirder material as it's revealed to them by the DM or storyteller or whatever the hell they call it in um, uh, the, those other games. Um, the other thing I think is there's a, a lack of negatives as well too, is that uh, people won't find things to bounce off of, you know, where they, things take them out of the game or they think, oh, this is silly. Um, and you know, I mean, everyone's into their own things. And I think of myself and a lot of the content for Dungeon Crawl Classics when in, in that way, um, I, I have been enjoying a lot of aspects of the uh, old-school renaissance uh, or old-school revival uh, movement in the last little while. 
Um, but I really do find that much of the DCC, the Dungeon Crawl Classics content, and the game itself, I still can't get buy-in to it because it feels to me like there's a lot of really wahoo kind of gonzo stuff, and that's stuff that takes me out of the game. Um, I just from a, and this is not a judgment on uh, anyone who does enjoy those, those elements, but for me, like I, I do prefer the humor to be less intentional and less and more just kind of what arises at the table. Uh, any given gaming table is going to have, for the most, you know, more likely than not, people howling with laughter just by virtue of what's going on in the game. And I don't really feel the need to add in wacky stuff to just be like, you know, this is the way things are. But I, I, that's a completely subjective thing. Um, so knowing that that's, you know, everyone else has their own subjective kind of bugbears, if you will, that uh, they'll bounce off of. I think that the way to address how to introduce someone to gaming is to help to try and figure out what those things might be you know what those bugbears might be um is the person someone who just does not buy into fantasy they think fantasy is, is silly or stupid or just not something that's for them well then you know a game like art uh, D is really not going to be the game for them are they someone who enjoys mechanical depth you know are they someone who enjoys board games and is conversant with you know, in learning new rules and figuring out how to make meaningful decisions in the context of those rules? Or are they someone who just wants to, you know, hang out and, and just, you know, tell a story with their friends or their family? Um, that will help you figure out whether, you know, what rules mechanics uh, you should go with. Um, another thing that I think the reason I end up using Delta Green uh, is because it um, it has a really simplistic, or Call of Cthulhu, it's a really simplistic uh, mechanic. Players don't need to pick feats or, like, character abilities or, you know, um, spells or things like that. Uh, all they need to do is just, you know, pick a profession uh, and then add some skill points. And then anytime there's task resolution, they just need to roll some dice and figure out whether they rolled that number or less. So it makes for a very easy explanation for how to play. You know, I compare that to if I was introducing someone new to, say, like, the 2d20... Conan system. I think that a new, a person new to gaming who didn't have, let's say they didn't have any barriers against playing a sword and sorcery style game, those mechanics might themselves probably, you know, prove a sufficient barrier. Um, anyone who's tried gaming with their kids, they can, uh, you know, the, they'll likely have gone through something like this. I, I've, uh, my son's entire life, we've uh, been role playing together and, uh, to do varying degrees of success of things that he seems to buy in on and things that he's kind of, <laughs> I think, humoring his dad <laughs> to uh, to play through. And I think a lot of that, part of that is because for him, it you know does, he just doesn't need a lot of game there. He's happy to, to tell a story and, and role play with people and and have you know uh, fun uh, combat encounters uh, without having to engage with an awful lot of tactical depth. Um, and uh, for someone who's trying to introduce a friend, family member to gaming, um, I think that's the other thing to bear in mind. Not only stuff that they'll, they'll easily be able to get and jump in on, but also things that are a barrier. Now, um, having said all that, you know, there are some certain games that just have really, really complex lore and really complex um, settings. And you, uh, what I'm thinking of in that, in that context is like, say, uh, the Legend of the Five Rings setting, the fantasy Japanese setting for that. Uh, Numenera is a really, there's a lot of stuff, stuff to learn there. To Degree, The Strange, uh, the game published by uh, Monty Cook Games as well. And almost any of the 
non-vanilla D&D settings. You know, Dark Sun's got a lot of buy-in for explanation. Planescape's got a lot of buy-in. Uh, Spelljammer not only has a lot of buy-in uh, in terms of, like, lore you need to know, it's also got a lot of sensibilities that you that may not be for all players. Um, <laughs> this, as an aside, that particular setting was one of my favorites when I was a kid. But as soon as I told my players about giant space hamsters, they were like, nope, we're done, nope. So, uh, <laughs> so I mean, I guess even with gamers, that we can have those uh, those areas where we don't want to. Uh, it just it takes us out of the game and, and doesn't allow us to enjoy the full experience uh, that you get from gaming, which is you know having a fun experience with your fun with your players, finding characters you can really care about and engage with, play a meaningful game in a, in a way that you are you know you understand the game and you're able to make meaningful decisions in it, um, and you're not hitting bumps along the way that will take you out of the game. So I guess that's my my response to uh, to that question is how do you, you know, it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm offloading a lot of the work. I'm not just saying, hey, run this game. Um, but I hope that that's helpful in terms of figuring out how to uh, introduce someone who may be reluctant to, uh, uh, to engage in gaming. Don't be an asshole. Sorry, I, someone's trying to cut me off here. Okay. Um, that, that may give you some um, helpful ways of uh, engaging, or rather uh, figuring out how to pick uh, the right game and the right way to introduce that, um, you know, that person or someone to those uh, to those games. Uh, oh, you know, I actually sorry, I do have one more thing to add. Um, so with a more complex game, you know, uh, I think that even with a a game that does have a lot of like say jargon and a lot of in-universe stuff that you need to know, like Eclipse Phase or Numenera or any of those other more, you know, non-traditional uh, D&D games or D&D settings that I mentioned. Um, the way, I, th I think there's a way of doing that. You know, like I, I had run uh, at one point a D&D um, uh, game, uh, or rather an Eclipse Phase game that uh, was specifically to introduce players uh, who were unfamiliar with it. And I, what I did is I stole some ideas from video games where I just started off with the players at a point where they knew nothing. And then over the course of the, uh, uh, the first session, we created their characters. And as the characters learned more about the world, the players were learning more about the world. Uh, we've done that in um, Five Rings as well, too. Now, you can only play that like, hey, you're waking up as an amnesiac trope only so many times. But, you know, if it's someone who's new to gaming... They may not have heard it the first time, and they may be, they may find that a more uh, meaningful way to engage with a rich, you know, as Tolkien called it, secondary world. Um, and that's a way to, to, you know, where you're not going to be hitting. So long as you think the person will not hit those speed bumps that will take them out of the experience, and and just it's something that they may not, um, they may not find to their liking or their taste. Um, if it is, and it's a fairly complex. Um, a fairly complex setting, you can still do that. It's just that it does require some more careful planning as to how to execute that first session so that they aren't lost in the minutia of a very, you know, uh, a very realized and detailed secondary world. So anyway, that is my answer to those questions. So I hope you found that helpful. Um, if uh, you have any thoughts on that or you have any suggestions as well as to... Uh, 
you know, how you've done that or uh, how you've introduced someone brand new to the hobby who maybe have, maybe was resistant to trying it, um, what was a success you saw, what was a, a stumbling block that you hit, um, let me know. I'm, I'd be interested to hear. So otherwise, hope the day is a great one, guys, and uh, I will be back soon.